Today is April 14th, 2021, and our first story. In the criminal trial of former police officer Derek Chauvin, the defense team scored a major win as their expert medical witness testified. He believed George Floyd died of cardiac arrhythmia and that it was not, in fact, a homicide. It was actually an undetermined cause of death due to too many complicating factors. While this is not definitive proof of innocence, it's absolutely reasonable doubt. But the bigger question is whether or not the jurors will be swayed by politics. Our next story, riots are continuing in the Minneapolis area due to the shooting of a young man named Dante Wright. Kimberly Potter, the officer involved, has been arrested and charged in our last story. Project Veritas releases a major expose on CNN, where a CNN staffer admits they're a propaganda network, but goes one step beyond even gloating that COVID deaths are good for their ratings, and the president of CNN actually encourages them to fear monger. Before we get started, leave us a good review. Comment on this podcast, leave five stars, and if you really like the show, just share it with your friends to help our show grow. Now, let's get into that first story. Today, the defense scored a major victory in the criminal trial of Derek Chauvin, the former police officer charged with murder in the death of George Floyd. An expert medical witness testified that the official ruling as to how George Floyd died should not be labeled homicide and should in fact be labeled undetermined due to the multiple factors involved in his death, even citing the medical examiner's report. Now, the Hennepin County examiner said that George Floyd died due to the restraint with other compounding factors basically ruling this is a homicide, which only means the death was because of the actions of someone else. It doesn't mean murder or manslaughter or anything like that. This expert witness sounded very smart, very reasonable. He didn't say that George Floyd did die because of the drugs in his system or his heart. He just said there are too many factors to tell us exactly what happened. And in his opinion, it should be undetermined. Now, if that were the case, well, then you have reasonable doubt. Manslaughter, third degree, secondary murder go out the window. This is not definitive proof of innocent innocence. It does not mean that the defense has won. It just means you had very compelling testimony showing that there is real reason to doubt that Derek Chauvin was the cause of George Floyd's death. And I have to say, based on everything we've seen so far, it seems to be going very, very well for the defense. Now, of course, if you turn on the mainstream media, as I often point out, Left-wing blogs are, are acting like the defense is floundering. According to Legal Insurrection the other day, they didn't do too well. Their, their use of force expert gave a pretty un- non-compelling case as to why restraining George Floyd was zero force. No, they used force on George Floyd. But there are two arguments at play here. Whether or not Chauvin was the, his actions killed George Floyd. And even if that was the case, whether or not it was unreasonable force or negligent force. With today's expert testimony, I have to say, we, we, look, we have, we have piles upon piles of reasonable doubt from the state's own witnesses. Today is another good day. We'll read through this. Another issue brought up by this medical expert was that George Floyd's face was near the exhaust of the vehicle and carbon monoxide could have played a role in his heart disease. He wasn't getting enough oxygen. He even, th- th- I, I should clarify, They go on a state. Some may view that as a homicide, but there are too many other factors. He mentions that Floyd's heart had narrowing of the blood vessels. It's it all sounds very compelling, but we do have a bigger problem at play. Other breaking news in the area. This makes it really hard for me, guys. There's so much going on. 
Kim Potter, the officer involved in the, the killing of Dante Wright, has been arrested and charged with second degree manslaughter. At least that's the current reporting. This, in my opinion, absolutely does taint the, the jury pool in uh, the, the, the jury in the criminal trial of Derek Chauvin. According to a report from the Star Tribune, a city manager who got fired for calling for due process, one of the individuals involved said they were scared that if they didn't call for the firing, the activists would come to their homes and there was real risk for them. With all that being said, the Derek Chauvin trial is expected to wrap tomorrow. Then there's going to be a period over the weekend. That's just people have time off and deliberations will begin on Monday. This weekend, we'll likely see mass rioting over the shooting of Dante Wright. The jurors are not sequestered. They will absolutely see the ramifications of what happens if they say Chauvin is not guilty. So even though there is a major victory in the case, and I mean major victory in like in a figurative sense, not like they actually won. The jury may be tainted by politics, and this all may it all may fall apart for the defense because the judge did not want to sequester the jury. Maybe that's on purpose. I don't know. Maybe he's treating it like this is a vacuum. I think you have to take into consideration the fact that, I mean, for, for one thing, one of the jurors lives in Brooklyn Center where the riots erupted. How could they not be tainted by this when you have city officials even saying they fear for their safety? Well, let's read exactly what this expert witness said. Go through the latest updates on this officer being arrested and, 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 and the latest information. Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member to get exclusive access to segments from the TimCast IRL podcast. All you got to do is go to TimCast.com, scroll down, and you will see all these really amazing members-only segments. There's real risk that we get banned. YouTube is not a safe place to run a business, so we are porting everything over and building out and expanding TimCast.com. If you want to support my work, check it out. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read the news. CBS News reports defense expert found Floyd's manner of death to be undetermined, not homicide. They say the defense is continuing to present its case Wednesday in the trial of Derek Chauvin, the fired Minneapolis officer charged with Floyd's death. The first witness called to the stand was Dr. David Fowler, a forensic pathologist and former Maryland chief medical examiner who reviewed Floyd's case for the defense. Before I read to you what he says, let's clarify some things. Many people on the left will point out this, well, first of all, they're trying to smear the guy. They're calling, they're, they're saying he's a bigot and a racist. Okay, I'm not getting into any of that. This guy did not work in Hennepin County, did not work, as far as I understand, in Minnesota. He's the former Maryland chief medical officer, uh, medical examiner. Now, the left may say his testimony is irrelevant. He's not credible. And they're doing that. Okay, well, the other experts, you could say the same exact thing about. I'm not going to question the credibility of the other medical experts who came forward and testified on behalf of the state nor this man. I can only tell you this. Throughout the trial, the state's witnesses on cross backfired on the state. Some of these one medical, I believe it was actually the medical examiner who said that if she encountered George Floyd in an apartment in, in, in this, you know, dead, she would have said it was a drug overdose. If there were no drugs in his system, heart failure, presenting reasonable doubt. To those on the left, I just want you to understand this is not about proving innocence. The state has to has the burden of proof on two different arguments. All the defense need is that reason, defense needs is that reasonable doubt. And they did get that, in my opinion, from the state's own witnesses. And now this Fowler testified he believes Floyd died of a sudden cardiac arrhythmia due to his underlying heart disease during his restraint by subdual and subdual by police. 
He said contributing significant factors included Floyd's ingestion of fentanyl and methamphetamine, exposure to vehicle exhaust and possible carbon monoxide poisoning, and Floyd's paraganglioma, a tumor in his pelvis. All of those combined to cause Mr. Floyd's death. Now, many people on Twitter are saying they're trying to misconstrue this as though he said carbon monoxide, carbon monoxide poisoning killed Floyd. That's not what he's saying. He's saying it may have contributed. He doesn't know. The result should be undetermined. He went on to mention that methamphetamine can have serious impacts on your heart, especially if you're predisposed to arrhythmia, and that fentanyl depresses breathing. All of these contributing factors to the way that George Floyd died. Thus, he can't say it's a homicide. The official report from the medical examiner said homicide, and many people think homicide means murder. It does not. Homicide means the death was due to the actions of someone else. So this could be accidental. It could be the police stopping somebody who's attacking somebody else. It's not murder. That's different. Murder in the first degree, the, in, the pre, premeditated intent to kill. Second degree, and this is how it goes in Minnesota. Second degree is the intent to kill without premeditation. The third degree is the intent to cause harm to somebody that results in their death. And manslaughter is negligence that results in someone's death. I don't know which of those would apply if people take this expert seriously. But my main point, as I was stating, the jury may trust the state's version of events. They may not. It's all about persuading the jury. But the defense only needs to persuade them as to doubt. So if the juror says, I don't like this this defense witness saying it's not homicide, but I'm not entirely sure he might be right. Oof, there's reasonable doubt. And he can say we can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Chauvin did this. In fact, it's <laughs> I got to say, we saw this coming. The defense has actually asked for a motion uh, to grant acquittal, but the judge denied it. The defense basically said they've not proven their case. And we saw this coming. We knew they would ask for this because the defense has not, I'm sorry, the prosecution has not given us a definitive reason as to how George Floyd died. Now think about this. You're trying to convict someone of murder. The state is saying you killed him. And then the defense is saying, how did he kill him? And they're like, well, I don't know, but it may have been one of these ways. You don't know. It may have been one of these ways. That's outrageous to me. How are you expecting to get a murder charge where you're trying to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that not only did George, like, not, okay, not only did George Floyd die due to the actions of Derek Chauvin, but that he intended for that to happen when you can't even convince people and you yourself can't even state definitively how George Floyd died. Because we've already heard from the medical examiners that it may have been due to pressure on the neck or hypoxia caused by the knee on the back. And, you know, we, we don't know for sure. How are you going to tell me he killed him? How did he kill him? I don't know, but maybe one of these ways. OK, if you don't know, I'm sorry, that's reasonable doubt right off the bat. Well, the judge denied it. We expected that to happen. And many people feel that the, 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 uh, the, uh, the denial was, in fact, due to politics. But there it is. Now, going back to Fowler's testimony, they say Fowler testified that Floyd had so many conflicting potential mechanisms of death that he considers the manner of death to be undetermined. Floyd's death was previously ruled a homicide by the Hennepin County Medical Examiner, who stood by the classification during his testimony. Medical examiners in determining the matter of death can choose one of five classifications. Homicide, natural, accidental, undetermined, or suicide. The defense launched its case on Tuesday. Testimony focused on Floyd's drug use and a defense of uh, de and a defense use of force expert said Chauvin was justified in restraining George Floyd. The state's own expert witness said the same. In fact, 
the expert witness paid by the state said actually Chauvin could have used more force. (laughs) So he actually used less. The defense case centers around how Floyd died, which has been a key point of dispute at trial. A string of medical experts have testified for the prosecution, saying the police restraint restricted oxygen to Floyd's body and caused his heart to stop. But defense attorney Eric Nelson has argued a combination of Floyd's underlying heart disease, adrenaline, and the fentanyl and methamphetamine he ingested prior to the arrest amounted to a fatal combination. Judge Peter Cahill said testimony is likely to wrap up by the end of the week, possibly with Friday off. He told jurors to expect to be sequestered following closing arguments on April 19th. He had earlier denied a defense request for the jury to be further questioned and immediately sequestered in light of a fatal police shooting of Dante Wright in nearby Brooklyn Center. Chauvin, who was seen in disturbing videos, this we know about, Chauvin has pleaded not guilty. The other three officers involved are charged with aiding and abetting and are expected to be tried jointly in August. Now, one of the very important factors here, which is a major win, it's not just, my friends, that a medical expert said, I believe the cause of death is not a homicide, it's undetermined. That is reasonable doubt. The medical expert is saying, I don't know. Now, he is paid, much like the state's witnesses. The jury may believe him or not. However, we have this. Defense expert, no bruising on Floyd's neck or back. Nelson asked Fowler to describe a study that called into question the dangers of positional asphyxia, with the authors calling it an interesting hypothesis unsupported by any experimental data. The study involved placing weight on the backs of volunteers who were in the prone position on a gym mat and found the, found the position had no significant effect. Earlier, medical examiners had testified for the prosecution that the study was flawed because it was not based on real world scenarios. Fowler also pointed to another study about knee restraints and transference of weight to the body based on an experiment using dummies. Based on that, he said Chauvin would have been applying less than 23% of his own weight to Floyd's body. Fowler testified he found no evidence of injury or bruising to Floyd's neck or back. Quote, it speaks to the amount of force applied to Mr. Floyd was less than enough to bruise him. What they're saying. And this is what the state witnesses also stated under cross-examination. There was no evidence of injury to Floyd's neck or back, implying Derek Chauvin did not apply that much force. And thus, this medical expert is saying, you know what? It does not seem to be a homicide. Now, this is important because, like I said, and like you know, reasonable doubt is what matters in this case. But my friends, politics plays a role. It is entirely possible that what ends up happening, the jury is scared of what's to come. They're going to get to watch everything happen in real time over this weekend. That to me is is terrifying. The jury is going to watch riots. They likely already have been. They've likely been texted by friends and family saying, are you okay? I hope you're safe. And then they're going to be sitting there saying, well, I think there's reasonable doubt, but they're going to find out who I am and they're going to hurt me. And so they'll say guilty and Chauvin will go to prison. That's the point of terrorism. It's literally the point. The extremists know that if they can cause fear, they can drive a political victory. They want Chauvin in prison. They want to exert their authority and show you they control the system. So they threaten you with violence. If the jurors are swayed by this, Chauvin is going to get convicted on all counts, even though murder two literally makes no sense if you've been watching anything. I bring you now to the story from Star Tribune in Minnesota newspaper. Brooklyn Center mayor takes on oversight of police department and fires city manager. City leaders appeared poised to fire the police chief after the police killing of a 20-year-old black man on Sunday. 
This is shocking. Now, you've seen, uh, you may have seen the story if you've been following the news. A city manager said that Kim Potter, an officer who fatally shot Dante Wright, should get her due process. Now, the city manager is correct. Everyone deserves due process, even those we see on video committing the crime. In the instance of Kim Potter, there is body cam footage released where it appears she was intending to tase him, but didn't realize she had her gun. Sorry, that's called negligence. You are responsible as a gun owner for what comes out of your gun. When we go to the range, most, most of you are familiar with guns. You know this. There's etiquette. You yell, range is hot, range is cold. Everybody who comes needs to know the rules. And in certain circumstances, ranges have their own special rules. I think most would because terrain may be different. It's because you know you are responsible for what happens with that firearm. In this instance, the officer is, is, is responsible. Now, she's been arrested and charged with second degree manslaughter. We have that story right here from Star Tribune as well. But what's important in this case is the ramifications for Derek Chauvin's trial. And then we'll get into the breaking news. They go on to mention that at a news conference, police said she believed she was in her taser. But I'd like to just show you something very obvious. We recognize that this couldn't have happened during a worse time, Elliot said at a news conference. That's the mayor. We are all collectively devastated. And we have been over a year now by the killing of George Floyd at a virtual council workshop. Council member Chris Lawrence Anderson said she voted to remove the city manager because she feared for her property and retaliation by protesters if she had voted to keep him on. Let me slow that down. The city manager who said the officer deserves due process was removed from his job at a virtual council workshop. A council member said she feared for her property and retaliation if she defended him. Look at this. He was doing a great job. I respect him dearly. I didn't want repercussions at a personal level. Wow. A council member said he was doing a great job. I respect him dearly. But I was scared of the terrorists. If you live in this place and you won't leave, I'm sorry. I cannot defend you. Last year, we saw what went down. And that's when we all said enough. But what happened in November? The people of Minnesota and especially the Twin Cities voted for more of this. If you live there and you did not vote for more of this, it's at this point I can only say you fought figuratively. You demanded a, a restoration of, uh, of justice. The police should be held accountable. They should be reformed. But the riots should not be allowed. Well, I'm sorry. The place you live at voted for Kamala Harris and Joe Biden, people who support the riots. I mean that they literally did. I know Joe Biden has condemned the violence, but his own staffers funded bailing out the rioters. Kamala Harris directly solicited this. She said, please donate to the bail fund for rioters, criminals. If you still live there, what do you expect me to do? I stated this earlier and you'll hear it in the next segment on the, if you're listening on iTunes or Spotify. If your house has started on fire and I offer to help get you out and say, we all need to leave now. And you say, nah, I'm good. And then the house comes to your, to your room and you're on fire. I'm, what do you want me to do, man? We warned you to get out of the burning building. You didn't want to do it. In remarks Monday afternoon, President Joe Biden called Wright's death tragic and urged peace and calm. There is absolutely no justification, none for looting, Biden said. No justification for, for violence. And I respect that. I do. Okay. But what we're seeing right now is that at the political level, they are cowering before the terrorists. And it may mean Chauvin will get convicted because I can't imagine the jurors are thinking anything other than I'm going to protect myself. I ain't sticking my neck out for this cop. Don't care. Literally don't.
Now, here's the breaking news. We got the mugshot for Kim Potter. And I'm, I'm, I'm sad to see it, man. I'm sad that Dante Wright lost his life. I don't care if you're a criminal. I don't care. I, I oppose the death penalty. I'm like not for it. But I understand self-defense. I understand these heated moments. Star Tribune reports officer arrested will face second degree manslaughter charge in killing of Dante Wright. The charge carries a maximum penalty of 10 years in prison. They say Potter, who resigned from the police department on Tuesday, was booked into Hennepin County Jail shortly after noon on a charge of probable cause second degree manslaughter in the shooting death of Dante Wright. The Washington County Attorney's Office was expected to file charges later in the day. Potter is being represented by attorney Earl Gray, who was not immediately available for comment. Attorney Ben Crump, who said he, he had been, has been retained by Wright's family, issued a statement Wednesday with co-counsel Jeff Storms and Antonio Romanucci in response to the charges. Quote, while we appreciate that the district attorney is pursuing justice for Dante, no conviction can give the Wright family their loved one back. This was no accident. This was an intentional, deliberate, and unlawful use of force. Driving while black continues to result in a death sentence. A 26-year veteran of the force knows the difference between a taser and a firearm. You see? Second-degree manslaughter charge carries a maximum sentence of 10 years. I told you. What did I say? They will not be satisfied by a manslaughter charge. They want a murder charge, like Chauvin got. And I even, I, I, look, I'll tell you this. I think the other officers are going to get charged with aiding and abetting as well. They were the ones holding this man and, and scuffling, with when it went, scuffling with him when it went down. Do they literally deserve any of that? Of course not. Nobody deserved to die in the situation, but it was chaos. Now, I'll tell you one thing I think the, the, this officer made a mistake on. They should not have said she was intending to go for her taser. That was a mistake. On the IRL podcast, you know, Ian asked, he's like, what if what was actually happening was when she was yelling taser, she was asking them to use their taser? It's an interesting point. On the video, she's holding her handgun, yelling taser, taser, taser. And then she shoots him. Many people said they thought she was yelling she was going to use her taser. But then, oh, no, she shot him. The police even said this. It's plausible that she was yelling for them to use their taser. And when they didn't, she shot him because he was wanted on an aggravated robbery charge, was known to have a weapon and was reaching in his vehicle. Now you have this. The family is saying it was intentional. Intentional use of force resulting in death would be third degree murder. Second degree would be she had the intent to murder. I think third degree murder charges might actually fly here. I, I really, really do. It's all about an argument, not whether it was. Uh, it, it, look, the state can present a case for third degree murder. She intended to use force, a taser, which can be lethal. It resulted in the death of this man. They could argue it. I'm not saying they would win. And I'm not saying I agree with it, but they could argue it. And I wouldn't be surprised. It's, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. They're saying they expect second degree manslaughter charges. We'll see. What I can say is, of course, this is going to play a massive role in whether or not the jurors are fair and honorable. Now, regardless of what happens, I think that there's no way you can get out of this without bias. If the jury chooses to acquit Chauvin, the media has already prepped everybody to believe the prosecution is nailing slam dunks across the board. They're not. The defense, the defense is actually doing fairly well. Re these leftists are expecting Chauvin to be, uh, to be convicted, and they're going to get their headline. In my opinion, I would place, I would make a, a large wager 
Because like I've said before, second degree murder won't won't stick. It makes no sense. There, there's ample evidence Chauvin did not want to kill uh, George Floyd. So the jury will say not guilty on the charge of second murder and second degree. The headlines will reflect that and the people will get angry. They won't understand. How is it not possible? We watched him do it. They're going to be like, he put his knee on his neck. We saw it. But they don't care for the actual evidence in the trial. They don't care for what the letter of the law means. They don't care for the rules that will be given to the jurors. Instead, we will just get more and more, uh, more and more anger and ignorance. And it'll be fueled by the people who uh, in the media who want it. People like CNN. We have this story from CNN, April 14th. It's today. Officer charged with second degree manslaughter in Dante Wright killing. Now, I use CNN sometimes, but we just saw a release from Project Veritas where a CNN employee was basically saying, we want people to be scared. We want to propagandize. That's the name of the game. And we can see these stories from CNN. We can see these stories from the mainstream media. Why should I believe otherwise? You've got a, you've got a fight, a figurative fight. The prosecutions make it, you know, thrown their punches and the defense has thrown their punches. But the media is only showing highlight reels of the prosecution landing punches and ignoring the fact that they're getting trounced. Meanwhile, the people are supposed who, who in the public are watching this don't get it. They're not hearing everything. You know who is? The jury. The jury very well may acquit. I think on second degree, definitely. But I think due to fear of them having their houses burned down and being doxxed, they'll probably still convict him on maybe, you know, third or, or manslaughter. We'll see. But the regular people are expecting second degree uh, murder for Chauvin to stick because of the media, because of the games they play. I, I, I do think it's fair to say reasonable uh, doubt has been achieved. Um, maybe I'm not, I'm not an impartial actor. Some people say I am. Some people say I'm not. If it were me, I think I would say not guilty. Sorry. The testimony today and the testimony from the state did not prove the case for even manslaughter. I think this was all over. Uh, there's a few points when I think this, this, this ended. We have this story from The Hill. Friend of Floyd, Maurice Hall, invokes Fifth Amendment and will not testify in Chauvin trial. First, we heard this. As you know, third degree murder, as I stated, is that you were negligent, like you were, you were tending to harm somebody and they died. There's also a provision in third degree murder that you provide someone with controlled substances, they ingest, and then they die. That's your fault. Maurice Lester Hall was in the car with Floyd. Floyd had methamphetamine, fentanyl, norfentanyl, uh, a couple of caffeine, uh, THC in his system. He had a lot of drugs. It was testified, uh, there was testimony from the girlfriend of George Floyd that George Floyd was on drugs in the past, that, he, that, that, that they had received drugs from Maurice Lester Hall. Lester Hall then decided to plead the fifth and not testify on the grounds that he could be convicted, he could be charged with third degree murder. His own lawyer spoke, and this is all public, saying that he could be charged in the death of George Floyd. Right then and there, we hear reasonable doubt. Now, the jury didn't hear this, my understanding. Maybe they saw it in the media. But when you have the state struggling to, con- to, to tell us how George Floyd died, and then the guy who was apparently the one who gave him the drugs bails out saying, like, they're going to charge me for this, definitely reasonable doubt. It's, rem- it's remarkable. We're, we're, we're dealing with a case where they have definitively stated Chauvin did kill Floyd, but their own expert witnesses can't even make this assessment. They can say, oh, he shouldn't have done it. We believe it was the primary factor. We do agree that it was a combination of the effects, though we rule homicide. The point is, if every expert came out and said, we watched a video where a guy killed a man, then, well, there you go, slam dunk. Instead, the expert witnesses from the state were like, 
Yeah, it was a combination. It's possible. It may have been his knee. We think it was. We're not sure. It wasn't definitive. It's not like it's a video of someone getting shot or stabbed or choked out. It's a video of someone where we can see Chauvin's knee moving back and forth. And I'll tell you this. The next argument is even if Chauvin was the principal cause, as the Hennepin County Medical Examiner said, you then have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the use of force by Chauvin was not justified. The next thing we heard, the expert witness saying, as soon as Floyd arrived, based on their own continuum in the use of force, he could have tased George Floyd, ending his life. Tasers can be lethal. And Chauvin chose not to do that. I'm sorry, man. It's all stacked up. What, what, what I think we really need to consider right now is whether or not politics will play a role. I think it will, as we've seen, and what the ramifications will be in the long term. Riots, of course, are already underway across the country. The police union building in, in Portland was set af- aflame again. What do you think is going to happen if, if Shomi gets acquitted? More importantly, man, I think he'll get acquitted on at least second degree, right? Like I've said, sorry, several times. But look at what's going on right now with Dante Wright. The officer is being charged and the family is saying it's not enough. It was intentional. So now you're going to see riots because they're going to say they're, 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 they're letting off a light. The case is expected to end. The, the defense will rest tomorrow, presumably. And then Friday, there will be a break. And then Saturday and Sunday will be a break. The jury is going to wrap. People are going to be protesting over the weekend and rioting and burning things down. And then come Monday, after the height of the explosive mass riots we will likely see, these people are going to be sitting, you know, being told, go deliberate now. And they're going to be shaking like, we can only hope that come this weekend, there are no riots. But what you need to know is that the riots we've seen so far in Minneapolis, these are weekday riots. They started on a Sunday evening. People didn't even know about it. Now, people have jobs. Not everybody on the left has a job. I know I get the stereotype. But many of these people can't take off work just yet. They may have the weekend off. So many people are already on their way. They're heading there. They're going to get there. They're going to join in the riots. And some of them are going to wait until Friday when they have the time to go and do it. Maybe they're in school. And then you will see weekend riots are always bigger. Considering this woman is not being charged with what the activists want, I can only suspect they are priming, they are prepping for war. It's going to be the George Floyd riots all over again, in my opinion. I could be wrong. Maybe things simmer down, but the COVID lockdowns are still in place in many ways. They're saying, you know, uh, some, some vaccines are causing blood clotting. So, you know, take that one up with the FDA. I'll leave that one out of this. But you can see that people are saying in Michigan, for instance, we need more lockdowns. I think in Canada, they're doing more lockdowns. Many of these people are still pent up and angry and unable to get back to real life. They are ready for conflict. They are mad. And many people will just take that anger and they will put it in this. Now, look, it was a good day for the defense. So far, by the time I'm recording this, I mean, it's all still going on. The judge has said, based on this expert testimony, that the prosecution has a day to bring back one of their witnesses to have them testify again. I'm not sure I find that fair, to be honest. The prosecution brings about an expert witness. The defense cross-examines them. There you are. Now the judge is saying, we've heard this medical expert say it's not homicide, it's undetermined. Okay, state, you're allowed to bring back a witness to rebut that testimony. Is, are we going to do this back and forth? To me, that's absurd. When the state brought in their witnesses, the defense didn't get their witnesses to come in and rebut them on the spot. 
So why should the state get an opportunity now to come in and rebut their witnesses? We'll see how it plays out. All in all, it's been very good for the defense, but we'll see if it will be enough. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 8 p.m. tonight, youtube.com slash timcastirl. Come hang out for the live show, and we will see you all then. Last night was night three of the ongoing Dante Wright riots. It is likely going to persist throughout the week and probably escalate in the next week to something worse than we have ever seen for the reason of the Chauvin trial is still happening. They're expecting to wrap, I believe, tomorrow. Deliberations will begin Monday. There's going to be probably a lot of chaos over the weekend. I don't think they're going to be able to convict Chauvin of second degree murder. And then everyone is going to go insane. But we have, we have some major updates. The first and the biggest news, very simply, Portland Police Union building was set on fire again. And this thing keeps happening. The, the, the extremists keep setting fire to these buildings. And I'm, I'm, I got to be honest, I'm completely fed up with the police and, and, the, and the district attorneys and the judges. Now, least of all, I blame the police. The cops in Portland and in Minnesota and these other places that are trying to arrest these extremists are not getting support. The people hate them. There's, there, there's either people who don't care, people who hate them, very few people who actually support them, and the, and the government itself is throwing them under the bus as a scapegoat because they can't deal with the, with the extremists. Now, this comes down to the district attorneys who won't prosecute these people and the judges who are doing nothing about it. So the system is broken. And I just have no sympathy for people in these places. Listen, when the riots first started, I said, hey, this is bad. The riots are bad. You know, the, stop throwing bricks at cops. Now they voted for it. Now the people there literally voted for it. At first, it was like, whoa, these crazy people are doing crazy things. The people of Minnesota must stand up and say no to this. And what did they do? They said yes to it. They literally voted for Kamala Harris, who solicited donations for the rioters and Joe Biden, whose staffers gave donations to the rioters and the people of Minnesota voted for it. And I see a lot of people saying, I didn't vote for it. I'm like, bro, you live there. You're funding all of this. You need to leave broken areas. Now, I, I get it. Look, I've had people say, you know, you don't want these people, the people of Minnesota leaving. They'll bring the policies with them. I'm talking about the good people who don't have any part in this. I've been saying for a while it's time to get out, especially these cities. And, you know, people like Jack Posobiec have been saying it. So we got Portland. We got Minnesota, but here's where it gets crazy. Dante Wright protesters, terrorists, leak killer cop Kimberly Potter's home address online, forcing Minnesota cops to erect fence and guard property. Veteran officers expected to be charged today following, following third night of national unrest. It's getting crazy. It is going to be a hot, hot summer. And I love it when people are like, civil war is not going to happen. Dude, the government in Minnesota has failed. I'm, I don't care. T say whatever you want. Tell me I'm wrong. It failed. The mayor in Brooklyn Center fired the city manager for calling for due process. He goes out wearing a ballistic helmet saying, thank you, peaceful protesters. They're pathetic cowards. There is no governance. The system is broken and it's mob rule. The state, the government has failed. Now you want to stay there and you want to be a part of that by all means. Go ahead. But I look at this. I look at the factions, I look at the violence, the, the, the likelihood of a massive escalation in the next week, and you want to tell me that you don't think factional violence is going to engulf this country? People seem to think civil war means two groups marching towards each other on a battlefield. No, it could be like 50 disparate factions just trying to fight for control in a different country, you know, or I should say in, in a, a fractured country, the better way to put it. I'm not, look, 
I feel bad for, for, for the cop and her family. I feel worse for the, the family of the dude who died. Death is, man, that's serious, okay? Somebody lost their life. Now, we can talk about the dude having charges. He should not have resisted. That's a fact. But it's still death. Now, as for this Kimberly Potter lady, she, she screwed up. It's negligence. A negligent homicide or some, to some degree. I think it's a manslaughter charge, probably similar, similar to Chauvin. Let's read a little bit about what's going on just to give you some context and, uh, and, and we'll break this stuff down. I do want to mention this story from Yahoo. Kim Potter has fleed her, fled her home. She flees as unrest is expected ahead of charging decision Wednesday. So they're, they're likely going to charge her. There are riots. They put up barricades around her house. I think it's futile. The Daily Mail reports at least 60 people were arrested at protests in Portland, Minneapolis, New York, Philadelphia, and Chicago overnight. And people ask me, Tim, why did you leave the Philly area? Because the extremists were crossing the bridges and coming into the suburbs. And then we had the the nerve of the news to be like, they're not coming to the suburbs. They came to the suburbs in Philly. And I was like, I ain't going to stick around for this. You know why? New Jersey is, uh, you you have a duty to flee your home. If the rioters show up and they try breaking in, you're legally supposed to run away. I got a question for states that have that law. Run where? I'm at home. I got nowhere else to go. Just run into the street. I guess the idea is, well, at least if you're standing in the middle of the street in the middle of nowhere with no food, no socks in your underwear, it's better than someone dying. To an extent, sure. I, I, I think so. I would rather be in my underwear, you know, four blocks away than actually have someone lose their life. The problem is during these riots, what if they're on the other block too? Well, you should have retreated. And then what? Jump outside and there's a guy across the street in the other direction. It's insane to me. So I'm just thinking to myself, I don't want to be in these places where they've lost control. And they have. And it's most of these blue cities. They've totally lost control. You want me to sit around for that? It ain't going to happen. They go on to say curfews have been in place for Brooklyn Center, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Crystal, Columbus Heights, New Hope and Maple Grove from 10 p.m. local time. But I've done little to stem demonstrators. Demonstrators. I just love, love the media that we have. I mean, this is the dailymail.co.uk, so they're not American. I saw tweets earlier. The Capitol insurrection. They're writing the same stories over and over and over again. It's been three months. Grow up. Shut up. The people there didn't have guns. In, Min- in, Min- in the Minneapolis area the night, they were firing at each other. Someone shot into a, into a police station. In the Pacific Northwest, we have had nearly a year of insurrection. The literal definition of insurrection, an uprising against government or authority. And it's happening in Minnesota. They tried storming. Well, they were trying to, to take a police building, I suppose. They literally burned down the police union building or set it, I'm sorry, set it on fire in Portland. Here we go, baby. They say in Portland, at least 100 people descended on the police union headquarters where they set the building ablaze. Footage shows the Portland Police Association engulfed in flames before fire crews arrived to try and extinguish the blaze. Meanwhile, in Minneapolis, about 90 minutes before the 10 p.m. local curfew, police declared protests outside Brooklyn Center Police Station to be an unlawful assembly. Pepper spray and flash bombs were used by officers in an attempt to disperse the crowd, while demonstrators used umbrellas as shields. Demonstrators began gathering again Tuesday at the city's heavily guarded police headquarters, now ringed by concrete barriers and a tall metal fence, and where police and riot gear and National Guard soldiers stood watch. More than 1,000 protesters had arrived by early evening. Now, my friends, as we've seen in the past, what we can expect now, it's very simple. News of the, of the riots and the protests, it's expanding. Videos like mine, complaining about it still. 
people are becoming aware of what's going on. I assure you right now, there are many extremists in cars driving to Minneapolis. They needed time to get there. When the news broke of the riots on Sunday, here's what happens first. People say, well, it's a riot, but maybe nothing will happen. Then they see, you know, things get a little crazy and they say, "Okay, well, we'll see how it plays out. Monday happens on Monday. They see the riots and the protests escalate. Some people then think to themselves, I got to get down there. You'll then see people in Wisconsin. You'll see people in Iowa. You'll see people in Chicago saying, let's roll road trip, baby. Tuesday night happens. The third night of riots. Now they're trying to take a police building. Apparently they're, you know, confronting it. You've got Portland setting the police union building on fire. Now we see the national response. One of two things may happen. Actually, they they both might happen. An expansion of nationwide unrest as people in cities totally unrelated, like Portland, but even smaller cities start having riots as well as people come out and overwhelm their police departments. And many people nationwide flock to Minnesota, which says to me, this weekend will likely be insane. Friday night will be absolute chaos. Saturday could be could be potentially worse. People are on their way right now to Minnesota to join in the, with the extremists. They go on to mention, you know, what happened with, with Dante Wright. We have some photos of, of people with their hands up. Activists raise their arms as they confront state troopers. Now, I want to jump down to what's going on with the police and barricading this woman's home. I mean, look at this. Check this out. They show these photos. Barriers and metal fencing were put up around the home of Officer Kimberly Potter, who resigned from the force Tuesday. My understanding is she fled her home already. A man speaks to two cops stationed behind barriers and metal fencing put up around the home of Officer Kimberly Potter. Police started barricading Potter's home on Tuesday after her address was posted on social media. Exclusive photos show the five bedroom home surrounded by police and workmen unloading the barricades. A police source said they anticipate protests and are taking precautions to prevent the home being wrecked. This is, this is, this is just escalation, baby. They're going to the homes of these officers now. That's something new. You know, they've gone to private homes in the suburbs before. And now, apparently, she's had to flee her home. Yahoo News, I should say this is actually the independent reporting. Officer Kim Potter reportedly fled her home after her address was posted to social media. After 40 people were arrested Monday night, Mayor Mike Elliott asked protesters to go home, go home peacefully before the city's curfew. Police fired tear gas, as we know. Mr. Elliott said there were, no, there were plans among some outside elements to turn peaceful protests into mayhem. I love it. I love the lies. I love the cowardice. We have no leaders. We have cowards. We have very, very few, I should say. This mayor, he knows the truth. You know he knows the truth, and he knows you know he knows the truth. Violent terroristic extremists seek to burn down the city, and this coward, Mike Elliott, would drop to his knees and beg them, please, sir, may I have another? As they wreak havoc, set fires, smash things up. And it's cowards like him that allow it, that enable it. Because these people keep saying it is easier just to drop to your knees and give them whatever they want than it is to stand up for what you believe in, defend yourself and your home. I'm sorry, my friends. We have become overwhelmingly a nation of cowards. It's true. Yeah, look at all these cities and you got cops who come out. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you this. All of these cops in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, cowards, absolute cowards, 100 percent. I, I, I actually mean this. I hope or I shouldn't say I hope I look forward. 
I look forward to this. I look forward to the other cops that were on scene with Kimberly Potter getting arrested and charged with aiding and abetting a, a homicide. Now, I don't literally mean that I'm being a bit facetious, but what I mean to say is these police officers are propping up a system where you know they will they will sacrifice you at a moment's notice, where you know that your mayor is a coward. You know that he will blame you and he will put on a ballistic helmet signifying there are extremists and violent terrorists taking control of his city. And then he will call them peaceful protesters to their face and on TV. Meanwhile, what are the regular people of Minnesota and Minneapolis doing? Apparently a whole lot of nothing. I get I, I, I know some people up there. First of all, you have the leftists who support it. And you have the regular people who are cowering in their homes and won't do anything. Now, listen, I'm not saying people should go out necessarily and do anything, but you should absolutely. I mean, well, maybe it's time you have to. Maybe sitting back and letting rioters burn down your cities for over a year is the point at which the people of Portland and Philly and Chicago or otherwise should do something. Now, I, I, I hear some of you saying, Tim, you left where you were. That's doing something. Stop giving your tax dollars to corrupt mayors like Mike Elliott. The people who live in Brooklyn Center are giving money to corrupt politicians who sit back and blame you while these people burn their city to the ground. Now let's talk about these cops. Do I really think the other cops will be charged? I think it's a strong possibility. Do I really want them to be? Obviously not. They shouldn't be charged. Uh, and Kimberly Potter should probably get charged with some kind of you know manslaughter otherwise. Uh, something of the effect. Derek Chauvin was thrown under the bus. But keep in mind, the other officers on scene were also charged. What did they do? Did they have their knees in the neck of George Floyd? Apparently, that wasn't even the case uh, outright. As we learned from the prosecution's own witnesses in the Chauvin trial, his knee was actually shifted back and forth. But I digress. Everyone wants to blame Chauvin, say he's the one who had his knee in the neck. Okay. These other cops, why were they charged? So do you really think that the other cops involved in this are going are gonna to get away clean? <laughs> I don't think so. Maybe. I don't think so. There were, there were some people speculating that at this point in the Chauvin trial, the state has not made its case to prove murder took place. What you need to understand about, uh, so there's, there's, a, there's a motion for an immediate not guilty verdict. Basically, the idea is if the state prosecutor present, presents no evidence as to the charges in, in, in a trial, then the defense can ask for a motion for an immediate verdict of not guilty from the judge and just say, done, we're, we're out, bye. The state has not proven its case. I believe that does apply in, 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 the, in the criminal trial of Derek Chauvin. The reason is they charged him with second degree murder, which is the intent to kill someone. As we, as we now know from the prosecution's own witnesses, that did not happen. And thus, second degree murder is done. It's gone. I, I, I don't see how that can, can actually, you know, he can actually be convicted of that. But many people are saying for political reasons, the judge is going to say, no, 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 we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hear what the jury has to say on this one. And maybe because there's other charges involved. But I'll tell you this. Right now, politics will play a role. Will these other cops be charged? Considering the fact that they charged the cops in the Chauvin case, why would they not charge these other officers with aiding and abetting or or some kind of you know criminal action saying the stop was bad? That's right. This guy was driving and they pulled him over for no good reason. So they may say at a certain point, I can't defend you anymore. We have seen for now over a year exactly what the state is willing to do in a place like Minneapolis. 
what they will do to the police who are doing their jobs and the people don't want you there. So at a certain point, the cops need to give them what they want. The people of Minnesota voted against you, officer. They voted for Kamala Harris, who solicited donations for the rioters and for Joe Biden, whose staffers gave money to the rioters. They voted for that. They voted for that. And you're sitting there watching them do it. So don't listen. You want to come to me now and say, I need your support. I'm going to say, no, you don't. No, 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 no. You, you had every option and every chance to leave. Did you think watching the fire burn around you and uh, that you could sit there and do nothing saying this is fine? And then when the fire actually made its way to you, I'd now come up. If you're going to sit inside a burning building and I tell you, get out. And then you're like, nah, I'm good. I'll be like, okay, later, bro. And now it's a year later and you're like, help, help the fire. I'll be like, <laughs> you were watching this place burn to the ground a year ago. You saw what these people were doing and you saw the state's response and you saw the voters response. It's one thing if the mayor threw you under the bus and then you said, people of these good cities of this of this metropolitan area stand with us against these corrupt and feckless politicians. And the politician said, no, we're with Biden and Kamala on this one. We want the city to burn. We're going to vote for more of it. And then you said, OK, I guess I'll sit here. It's like, imagine there's a guy who's literally like, it's, it's, it's just really, really amazing to me. I'm, I'm a bit dumbfounded by this. You have people burning down a city. You have the police being blamed for it. You have Kamala Harris supporting and raising money for the people burning down the city. And then the people say, I would like to vote for what Kamala Harris is proposing. And the cops in this place are like, I'm cool with that. I'm, I'm cool with that. It's like, dude, you're watching them. Dr- you know what it reminds me of? I'll tell you what it reminds me of. You remember Austin in, Power- in Austin Powers, that movie where he's in the steamroller and there's the guy, the security guard going, no, in front of the steamroller. And then it shows you that he's actually going like three miles an hour and he's like 100 feet away from the guy and the guy could just move, but he doesn't. And then he's like, move, just move out of the way. And then they run him over. That's what it feels like to me. Last year, the police were all staring at that steamroller a year out and they're all just like, no, I'm like, dude, at any point you could get out of the burning building before the fire gets bad. You're sitting there with the smoke alarm going off and you're like, eh, I'm good. That's fine. These people want no police. They demand it. They beg, please, no police. OK, give it to them. Fine, whatever. Listen, I don't know what the mentality of these cops is, are. What, 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 I, don't, I, I, can't, I can't imagine what you're thinking. I was in Philly, in the Philly area. They would not control the riots. I continually speak up and speak out against them. And I thought to myself, OK, and the best thing to do is probably get out of these cities. I'm not going to continue to fund this, 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 these jurisdictions that do this. I'm not going to be part of this and I'm not going to be a victim to it when it gets bad. So I chose to leave. I suppose some people would say you have to fight to protect this place. Listen, sometimes you do. But I think that time has long since passed because they voted for it before the election. I would argue, fight for your city, resist these extremists. Then the election happened and the people of the city turned and said, we want the riots to burn our city down. We want Kamala Harris to bail these people out. We don't want you, officer. And the cops thought, well, I'll stay anyway. So you know what? The riots are going to escalate. It's going to get worse. It's going to get bad. And there's one thing I think that could actually have a positive impact. The people have said, 
we don't want police. Okay. The, the police are being demonized and vilified. And how about you just give the people what they've asked for? In my opinion, if the police comply and they say, we're going to leave for one reason, we don't want to be scapegoated or victims. It, or, or actually, we talked about this last night. We had Tom Rogan on the IRL show and he said, no, no, give them notice. Give them 30 days. I'm like, excellent. That's even a, that's a better idea. Give the, every single cop, the unions should announce right now, in 30 days, every officer is going to resign en masse in the greater Twin Cities area. Every single one. This is what collective bargaining used to be. I'm all about it. I'd have quit and walked away a long time ago. I talked about this the other day. You, if I walk into a, a diner and they don't get me a waiter and like within 10 minutes, I just get out and leave. I'm like, no beef. If you don't want me here, if you're not going to provide me a service, I just go somewhere else. I ain't going to argue with you about it. If the cops aren't wanted, the cops need only say it. We're going to give each and every one of our officers 30 days to, you know, save up a month, you know, of income, try and find a new place to live or a new job, a new income, go leave. I'll tell you this. You see that announcement? And then all of a sudden, the lazy and spoiled people of Minneapolis who vote for these scumbags will all of a sudden realize what's coming their way. If they don't want cops and you say, we're going to fight to make sure we can protect our city. And then the election comes up and they vote against you. I'm sorry. I don't care. I see. I, 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 don't, I don't think going to this cop's home is right. The cop deserves due process. The other cops, all, all these cops deserve due process. But there's, there, there's a lack of sympathy at this point when you know your city has been overrun by cowards and extremists and you think you're going to get a fair shake. Sorry, man. You had, you had a choice and you chose to stay with the people who voted for the chaos. We need, we, we, we need people to realize exactly what this chaos would mean. And I'll tell you what, let's say all the cops resign. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the left gets their utopia. I mean, Rashida Tlaib said, no police anymore. Get rid of all of them. Do you believe there would be a policeless utopia in this place? Some anarchists do. Even ANCAPs do. Because they think, good, I'll just hire private security. I'll be fine. Okay, let's give it a shot. Absolutely. Let them, let, let them get a taste. Let them, let them try it out. But now we have a bunch of, of, of cops in the area who are doing what? Propping up a broken system that's corrupt? That's corruption. I think if you're a cop and you're in this area and you're like, I'm going to stay, I don't care. You are propping up a broken system and, and exacerbating the problem. So be it. What, what else can I say? I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out and I will see you all then. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a massive bombshell report from Project Veritas exposing CNN. Secret recordings of CNN technical director Charlie Chester show at least in his opinion, the network did get Trump out. Their goal was to get Trump out. They are a propaganda network that sells fear. We saw this last night. The latest bombshell report. This is my jaw hit the floor when I saw this. This is a, an employee of CNN who said COVID gangbusters with ratings, right? Which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side. This is a guy who is cheering on the deaths of people during a pandemic because it makes them money. These people are depraved. And now we have the evidence. Now we need to consider it's one guy. It's not indicative of every single person who's worked at CNN because Project Veritas has also exposed other people at CNN who express regret and anger 
over what CNN as a company does. But this is the is the the virus that infected news. Those and they've been around for a long time. It's not like it's a new thing, but these are the money hungry, ratings driven, corrupt lunatics who want to sell fear to make money. That's this guy, Charlie Chester. Yesterday, Project Veritas released part one. This is where we heard the guy say, you know, he's an activist, that he wanted to get out Donald Trump, and they did it and they produced propaganda. And my response was, it's really hard to comment on these things because we know this, because we're not stupid. We see what CNN does. We see how they lie. We see how their media reporters lie to make money. But what Project Veritas got us was someone from CNN speaking, their mouth moving, telling us in no uncertain terms, this is what we do. Now, we know this, but having that evidence was powerful. And I say that's why it's hard to comment on, because it's like we're learning what we all knew to be true. This, the latest up, I, you know, look, Project Veritas, they, they slow roll you on this one. That's what they do. They put out a little bit and they say, like, hey, we got CNN. They let these people stew a little bit and then they drop the big hammers. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they got way more because, wow, this is what, day two. And this latest report is, all, all I can say is when I saw this video dropped by James O'Keefe, where this guy's basically cheering on death. I was, I cannot believe they got this guy. They, they have his CNN employee cheering for dead people because they get ratings from it. We know, but this was above and beyond. I mean, we can talk about people who are depraved, where they're like, I want to get more ratings. We got to scare people. But to have someone straight up be like, oh yeah, show that death toll. More dead means more ratings. It's like, wow, man. Look, I had low expectations for these people, but this is, as, is almost as far as it goes. But can I say, can, can, are we surprised at all? Let's read through this and then we'll talk about what's going on with CNN's ratings. They're in the gutter. Apparently their, their media show has the lowest ratings yet, or at least of the year. It's just, it's tumbling for them. They know they're in trouble. And this is the kind of person they bring on. I also want to point something out. As most of you know, I use NewsGuard. Uh, for all of my sources. This is a, a startup company. They're biased, in my opinion, but I do it on purpose because I want to make sure that the news I'm getting, because I fact check these things too, is from what the establishment approves of. Well, for the longest time, Project Veritas was deemed unreliable. They give it a red exclamation point saying, oh, no, no, no Project Veritas is untrustworthy. I think that's a, uh, a, that's a lie. I think Project Veritas shows video of a guy saying some things, I think you have to be a discerning individual because you don't want to jump to conclusions. You want to make sure you're, you're, you're approaching things pragmatically. But if you're going to compare, this is what I love. Project Veritas publishes a video, Charlie Chester saying straight up COVID gangbusters with ratings, right? Which is why we constantly have the death toll on the side. A quote from the man. Now, maybe, maybe this guy is just trying to ham it up because he's trying to score with some chicky met on Tinder. Maybe he's exaggerating. I don't care. You know why? The standard in media is anonymous sources. The New York Times can go, we talked to anonymous source who told us that Donald Trump was, you know, kicking puppies. And you're like, who's the source? What is this? Is it a joke? What's the context? I don't know. You can't even see anything. They're just telling you, trust us. Veritas only ever shows you people on camera. And NewsGuard has the nerve to say, oh, it's untrustworthy for these reasons complete BS. You look at any one, any one of these other news organizations that got everything wrong, and you tell me I can't trust a video of a guy saying a thing? That's crazy to me. Well, I got good news for y'all. 
right now, Project Veritas has been upgraded to in review, which is which is really <laughs> interesting. The website is in the process of being rated or reviewed. I think Project Veritas deserves a green check mark. Well, one one of the standards for NewsGuard is whether or not you reveal what your funding sources are. So maybe that'll be an issue. But I think Project Veritas should be deemed credible because I don't see how you can have BuzzFeed or Media Matters be more credible. Media Matters makes things up. This is uh, look. I, I I should get into the CNN exposed thing, but I'm just I'm pointing out how broken the whole establishment media ecosystem is. That I'm I'm being told that Project Veritas is not trustworthy. When they literally have this guy saying, if it bleeds, it leads. It's fear, like fear really drives numbers. I'm not supposed to believe a guy saying it on video. You say that's not credible. Meanwhile, media matters, lies, makes things up. It's amazing how the system is broken, isn't it? So I do use NewsGuard because I want to get the news from the, from the establishment sources and then show you like, here's where the fake news is and here's where the lies are. And here's my thoughts on it. Plus, to be fair, many of the sources, like NewsGuard's not bad. You know what I mean? They're biased. You got to know the bias. Check this out. Part two, CNN director Charlie Chester reveals how network practices manipulation to change the world. There's an art to manipulation, inflection, saying things twice. It's always like leading them in a direction before they even open their mouths. Oh, man. It's like, it's like, it's like that episode of Rick and Morty where they go to the doctor to get like the, their, their personalities repaired or whatever. And then their, their toxic selves are the green slime people. That's what this guy is, this slime monster. Veritas reports, Project Veritas has released the second installment of a new Expose CNN series today featuring technical director Charlie Chester, who described how the network uses manipulation to shape public opinion and garner higher ratings. Quote, any reporter on CNN, what they're actually doing is they're telling the person what to say. It's always like leading them in a direction before they even open their mouths. The only people that we, CNN, will let on the air, for the most part, are people that have a proven track record of taking the bait. (laughs) Wow, James O'Keefe. Wow. Project Veritas. The other day I was reading that apparently they use Tinder. That's what I was saying. And, and so I'm talking and I'm talking to this guy on the IRL podcast and we're like, wow, if James O'Keefe has got these like young undercover reporters on Tinder, like swiping left until they find someone who works for these major corporations and swiping right. That is top tier stuff. I mean, this this is like they got the skills to pay the bills. This is very, very high level, like intelligence gathering stuff. I'm very impressed. I think there's an art to manipulation inflection, saying things twice. There's little subtleties to how to manipulate people. I mean, it's enough to change the world, you know? I can already hear the media saying, it's deceptive. They're, they're deceiving people. They're tricking them into meeting somebody and asking them their opinions. Maybe the initial interaction is, is a deception. Maybe the guy thinks he's on a date when he's actually part of a sting operation. A lot of people do it all the time. Undercover uh, reporting has been around forever, basically. But you mean to tell me, you have a guy telling you on camera that CNN as a major network lies to people outright. And you're concerned about how they came about evidence exposing CNN for lying. If someone decides to say something, they've said it. OK, and what's really interesting here is that you can see people like this, this Charlie Chester guy at CNN. They say things behind closed doors that they don't truly believe. Like They say things publicly they don't believe. And I've, I've often thought about this. I'm like, how do people always fall for this? And I was like, oh, <laughs> because they have different opinions publicly and privately. I, for the most part, tell you exactly what I think. 
I have no script. I literally just turn the camera and start talking. My opinions are literally my opinions. However, it is true that there are some things I won't say publicly. These typically have to do with legal issues and security issues, not matters of truth and justice and enlightenment and information, right? Typically, if there's something I can't talk about or say, it's because I'm concerned about safety or causing certain, you know, like, like minimizing harm. It's a journalistic standard. When it comes to being honest, I'll say I'm wrong. I'll try my best and I'll give you my thoughts on the matter. CNN does the opposite. James O'Keefe confronted this guy, went to a restaurant, and he said, I'd like to ask you about the things you've said. And the guy says, I got nothing to say. I'm not going to talk to you. And he gets up and leaves. Why? Because behind closed doors, they will tell you the truth. Behind closed doors, they will say, we know we're a propaganda outlet. We know we lie, we cheat, and we steal. And you know what? You know what really scares me? I bet you could share this video right now with your friends, and they're going to say something like, I don't believe it. Project Veritas is fake news, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 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 oh. No, Project Veritas is currently under review. So they're, they're not deemed by NewsGuard to be fake news right now. They actually got upgraded. So we'll see how that plays out. He's, uh, they want to say, quote, like, why isn't it high enough, you know, today? Like, it would make our point better if it was higher. And I'm like, what am I effing rallying for? That's a problem that we're doing that. Fair point. This is what I've often referred to as firefighters wishing for fires. It's an old thing that I learned about from family members and friends where firefighters sit around bored and they're just thinking like, man, I, I hope there's a fire because I want to do something. I want to do my job. I want to save people. But you realize how, how insane that is. No, you, know, you don't want a fire, but you want to be useful, right? You want to have purpose. They say Chester also described how CNN has used the COVID-19 pandemic to keep viewers hooked on the screen. It's fear. Fear really drives numbers, Chester said. Fear is the thing that keeps you tuned in. He added, COVID gangbusters with ratings, right? Which is why we CNN constantly have the COVID death toll on the side. I want, to, I want you to stop and think about this. Maybe there are some people who are sitting there saying, Tim, you do the same thing with all this stuff. Blah, blah. I didn't put a COVID death counter on my shows. Right now, I'm talking about things that I care to talk about. When it comes to the Timcast IRL podcast, the uh, Timcast channel or the Tim Pool channel, I talk about what I think matters. When you Google search riot, the news they give you is about the capital. I'm, I'm looking at some of these other YouTubers. I'm looking at some of these progressive YouTubers and they're talking about Donald Trump. And I'm just sitting here like, why? He's not the president. Oh, we know why. Ratings. Trump is an obsession. Me, I'm talking about the Chauvin trial and the riots in Minnesota because it's news. It's happening now. And in my opinion, if I cover a story and it doesn't get a ton of traffic, there's nothing I can do about it. I actually covered one of Project Veritas's stories a month or two ago, and it was one of like it, it didn't get much traffic at all. Very, very low viewership. I don't care. There's nothing I can do about that. If I make a video you don't care about, what am I supposed to do? I can only trust that what I'm talking about matters to me and I have something to say about it. I have no script. If I don't care, what am I supposed to talk about? I can only talk about what I think matters. And there are a lot of people I think who appreciate that and will watch because of it. We can see the media lies and the manipulation in the Chauvin trial, how they keep putting out these stories where they're saying things like prosecution, you know, witness says Chauvin was wrong. And they omit the redirect from the defense. They omit the things that I mean, you had one, you had the medical examiner say that Floyd died from, you know, a combination of factors, but the media doesn't report that they say Chauvin was not trained to use this. Chauvin was not permitted. It's the media manipulation and lies. Take a look at this stuff. Go on YouTube. I, I wonder 
Take a look at which YouTubers are obsessed with Donald Trump still because they exist. I'm not going to say their names, drive traffic to them. And I see them posting these things and I'm like, why are y'all talking about Donald Trump? Ratings is all they care about. A man who is not president. I, I've, I've read comments from him in relation to the vaccine yesterday, but I don't make a video where I'm like, you know, Donald Trump did this today. Donald Trump did that today. Yeah, to the left, that's where they get their ratings. To me, I'll talk about what I want to talk about. I've had people tweeting at me saying things like, you know, uh, oh, your followers aren't going to like that tweet. Okay. I was a, probably a lot of things my followers don't like that I say. But you know what? That shows how those of you watching and what we do, we're the real media because tons of people who follow me don't like me or disagree with me. Project Veritas goes on to say, Chester said Jeff Zucker, the network's president, would call the CNN newsroom during live TV segments and order the staff to keep COVID death tolls on the screen to capture viewers' attention. Chester admitted, quote, the special red phone rings and this producer picks it up. You hear murmurs and every so often they put it on speaker and it's the head of the network being like, there's nothing that you're doing right now that makes me want to stick. Put the COVID death toll numbers back up because that's the most enticing thing that we had. So put it back up. Amazing. Chester went on to explain how his network manipulates the public and attempts to hide their, their tactics in order to be successful in achieving personal political agendas. Quote, no one ever says those things out loud, but it's obvious based on the amount of stories that we CNN do. The fact that we have a segment called The Good Stuff, which is a feel good thing, but it's a dedicated moment at the end to almost be the ice cream to alleviate everything that you've been through. Something sweet to end it with because everything else is doom and gloom, he said. My jaw dropped when I saw this video. It's that quote, that, that quote about taking the bait. That first quote they report here, where I just could not believe they got him to say it. When he said, it's always like leading them in a direction before they even open their mouths. The only people, people that CNN will let on the air for the most part are people that have a proven track record of taking the bait. It's incredible. I was recently on Fox News. I was on a Brian Kilmeade's show. And they, 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 you know, they asked me a few questions beforehand. And I made some points that were contrary to what they expected. The interesting thing about it was the response was, wow, we didn't even think about that. Cool. I was asked if I thought they would try and ban Donald Trump's new social network. And I said, no, because they're ratings driven. But the conversation was about how big tech was censoring all conservatives and trying to be unfair. Now, I don't think me saying that necessarily harms their narrative, but it wasn't what they expected. The response I got from Fox News was like, wow, that's interesting. Cool. And then they asked me about it on TV in a segment that was basically supposed to be big tech is going to silence conservatives. And you know, if Donald Trump even tries to come up with a new platform, they will they will collude. The segment was parlor. Was there collusion to get them shut down? Seems like there was. Was there justification? Seems like there wasn't. They lied. And then the question was, if Donald Trump starts a new network, do you think they'll take it down? And I, I, I they were expecting me to say, of course, Donald Trump won't be allowed to speak. They're biased. They hate conservatives. And I said, no. <laughs> They need him. They need an excuse to allow him to speak. And they were like, interesting. It's not exactly what they expected. When I went to the social media summit where, where Trump was speaking, this was a couple years ago, I straight up said, too many conservatives are ignoring the fact that progressive and anti-war leftists are getting suspended as well. And if you, if you, if you use that, 
you can show it's not just a conservative problem, though it does predominantly affect conservatives. My whole pitch to like coming to the media summit was you need to pay attention to the anti-war left that are getting banned as well. Many of these activists who are getting banned as well, because it seems like what the establishment is doing is trying to get rid of anybody who opposes them. Conservatives being the biggest threat to the established order. There you go. What we saw yesterday was just absolutely shocking. What we see today is even more shocking. My, my, my uh, respect to Project Veritas, because this is, I mean, this is massive. Some are arguing that his statements could open the door to an actual malice argument in a defamation suit. Meaning when CNN now smears someone, you could theoretically tell a judge, look, this is what their staff believes. We don't know there's actual malice, but we want to get past a motion to dismiss for discovery to see if this sentiment about being activists and trying to harm other people is prevalent among the staff who defamed us. To put it simply, if someone at CNN says, you know, Tim Pool does X and it's not true. If I tried to sue them, they could argue, well, you need an actual malice standard, meaning there was reckless disregard for what was true or they knew it was false. It's hard to prove that. And typically the judges will just dismiss it saying it's public opinion. You can't. Sorry. But now you have a guy on the record saying CNN lies. We drive numbers. It's all about fear and propaganda. I'd argue, listen to what the staff members say. It's possible this is a common occurrence in in CNN. Judge may still disagree, but some people are arguing could open the door to to discovery. Project Veritas has announced they're going to be suing CNN. I think Anna Cabrera. And they're already in a lawsuit with the New York Times, and they got past their motion to dismiss. It's powerful stuff. They're doing amazing work, and uh, my respect to them. CNN, on the other hand, is in trouble. Fox News reporting CNN's Brian Stelter delivers widely mocked rant on vaccine selfies to smallest audience of the year. This shows you the pathetic helplessness of CNN and Brian Stelter's show. Brian Stelter was pointing out that Fox News hosts weren't taking vaccine selfies. So what? That's all you've got? That's your show? Brian Stelter made his bread and butter ragging on right-wing media in the Trump era. But now that Trump isn't president anymore, right-wing media was never particularly prevalent in mainstream culture. It's a problem for conservatives. Mainstream news is left-leaning. So who cares to watch this trash show now? Why, do, why would I watch Brian Stelter rant about Tucker Carlson? That's the stupidest thing ever. I suppose when there was fear that the right-wing media ecosystem was propping up Trump, people wanted to hear about it. Now what? Look, Brian Stelter's ratings are way up from where he was a few years ago, but they're way down from their peak. And I got to be honest, it could just be everyone else's ratings are down as well. You know, our ratings went down a little bit after the election because everyone got bored and they're tired of it. So that could be it. Maybe Brian Seltzer will, will, will get his ratings back a little bit. And uh, I don't know. I will tell you this. His lowest ratings yet. Well, as of this month, ratings have been improving. March, uh, mid-February to mid-March was where the ratings dropped. And I think it was because people were burnt out on politics. For me, my channels, things starting to be going back up and improving. And this is true for many other channels that I, that I know of. Brian Seltzer is now going down. I think the reality is CNN's in trouble and they know it. Layoffs are going to come. Salaries are going to get slashed. Uh, and, and, and then, you know, it's obvious. What we're seeing with CNN, I will tell you this. I am, I am excited Veritas was able to expose this. But I will t- also tell you, as they begin grasping at straws, 
which as you know, is the analogy for you're drowning, you're sinking in water, and you're trying to grab anything to stay afloat. So you're grabbing straw, which will not help you. Well, what happens after they grasp for the straw? And it doesn't help them. Then they start thrashing violently about as they drown. CNN is going to get 10, 50, 100 times worse as they become desperate for ratings. The lies, the smears, the manipulation will only get worse. Or Jeff Zucker jumps ship and uh, he might. Then the rating just the ratings just collapse and it becomes a shell of its former self. And so be it. We know what they're all about. They're liars. And if we didn't have outlets like Project Veritas, we wouldn't know this because the establishment machine will not criticize itself. The rival news companies will not criticize CNN. And I, I know why, because I've worked for them. I worked for ABC News Univision. They said, don't report on what these other companies do because we do the same. And that's it. So long as they're all criminals trying to siphon money from people, that's what you'll get. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.